The reading this morning comes from Luke chapter 1, verses 5 to 25. And in the Pew Bibles, it's on page 1024. 25, sorry. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well on in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this... His wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days he has shown his favour and taken away my disgrace among the people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you this morning. Um, If you don't know me, my name's Chris. Um, Assistant Minister here at St John's, lovely to be with you. Uh, it would be good to meet you afterwards for a tea or coffee, if we haven't met. Uh, let's pray for a moment together as we look at God's words together. Father, thank you so much for your word to us. 
And you know what we need, and you speak to us. And we pray this morning, Father, that you would give us a longing for Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, About uh, ten years ago, uh, I worked for a company that um, uh, did advertising campaigns for public health issues. And uh, there was one time uh, when a hospital wanted to uh, stop people going to A&E when they didn't need to when they'd be better off going to a pharmacy or a doctor or something like that. Um, and so our ad campaign was pictures of uh, a chair, uh, floor tile, and uh, the floor. Uh, kind of, it was a series of things to stare at while a- at A&E. Uh, there's a kind of picture coming up on the screen, a bit like that. Uh, and the point was, uh, why would you ever choose to be in a waiting room in A&E if you didn't need to be? Why would you choose to be there? Because there's nothing to do there except stare at chairs, wall tiles, or the floor. It's just boring. It's tedious. It's slow. Zero expectation. Zero excitement. Why would he ever choose to be there if he didn't need to be? Uh, here's another scene. Um, does anyone know what happened on the 11th of February, 1990? If you don't know... It was Nelson Mandela was released from prison. So if we flick on to the next slide. Uh, Nelson Mandela, um, the apartheid government in South Africa had been a kind of an awful kind of racist regime. And Mandela had campaigned for, for years against this. And then he was imprisoned for 25 years. A long time. But then suddenly the government announced that they were going to free him. And what a huge moment that was. You know, wow, suddenly for the majority of people in South Africa, uh, they had a hope, a sense of hope. Because this man was going to be free, and he could help end uh, the regime. And So this massive crowd gathered in Cape Town to see him walk free. And someone wrote there was an electric sense of anticipation. But no one had seen him for 25 years. What does he even look like now? And he's going to help, he's going to help us. Extraordinary moments, huge anticipation. So there's the hospital waiting room, dull, no anticipation. And then there's the crowd in Cape Town, electric sense of anticipation. Which of those two pictures do you think is more like modern life? I wonder. I wonder how you'd answer that question. Modern life, I think, can feel a bit like the waiting room, I think, in some ways. Uh, life is happening, you get up, you work to get by, you relax if you can, uh, maybe a project or two, but, but what's life all about? Well, in some sense, it can feel like we're just passing time, just passing time. Uh, which of those two pictures is more like the Christian life? Is the Christian life more like that dull waiting room, or is it more like the crowd in Cape Town? Is it more, which one is it? The story in Luke today is a true story about anticipation. Anticipation. Um, The story is about anticipation for when Jesus, the Son of God, would be born to earth. Uh, Born as a human being, and that's what we celebrate about the first Christmas. And most of us would know that. Now, our situation today is we look back, don't we, at that first Christmas and when it was about to happen. And we celebrate that. Uh, We also look forward, don't we, 2,000 years later. We look forward to uh, the day that God has promised when Jesus will return again to judge the world and to put things right in the world and 
We're told that that could happen any time, any day. It could even happen today. So in this, looking at this story in Luke, we learn about anticipation, what it means to be waiting for the Lord. And it's very different to that hospital waiting room and far more like uh, that crowd in Cape Town, far more like that. Well, let's look at uh, the, the story in a bit of detail. Let's look at the story. Uh, do you open your Bibles if you'd like to follow along. Uh, Luke chapter 1. First thing we see, really, you could say, is that the Lord, the Lord had been silent. The Lord God had been silent. Um, in verse 5, we're told it was uh, the time of Herod, king of Judea. And that reminds us that Israel, God's people, were being oppressed by outside powers at this time. And in fact, it's 400 years since God had spoken to God's people. 400 years since the end of the Old Testament. That is a long, long, long period of time when God had not spoken to them through his prophets. Time of silence. And now we're introduced to those uh, two characters. Introduced to Zechariah and Elizabeth, two people living in this time of God's silence. Uh, They uh, uh, kept obeying God as best they could. They were a kind of religious family for generations. uh, Tried to do the right things, obey God's good laws. And Zechariah was a priest in the temple doing his his duties there. Uh, But they they were childless. Verse 7, they were childless. A very, very painful thing for them, no doubt. And they continued to pray into old age to have a child, but we're told, felt, and later on, we're told they kind of felt kind of shamed among the people. A very, very hard thing for them to deal with. In the Lord's silence, in this time of silence, these two characters, they kept on obeying God. But they would have felt kind of pressed from the outside, you could say, and kind of disappointed on the inside. Because someone up like that. And that's not so different to many of us today. I don't think. We can feel kind of pressed from the outside. God has promised to bring everything under his good rule, but it can feel like that the world is just going totally opposite direction. We can feel the press of that. And again, like Zechariah and Elizabeth, we can feel disappointed on the inside. Maybe we feel that God is not kind of answering our most intimate prayers. Maybe despite us seeming to do all the right things, we can think of that it feels like God is silent. We can feel like that, can't we? The Lord had been silent. Uh, Secondly, uh, the Lord shattered his silence. The Lord shattered his silence. Um, So the story is Zechariah, again, is serving God at the temple, uh, where God symbolically kind of was present. Uh, but this time he goes inside the temple on his own, a great privilege. And an angel brings good news from the very presence of God, of the Lord God. Zechariah is startled and gripped with fear, which is not surprising, really. You can imagine that. Now, just think what a change this is. From 400 years of silence from God to now hearing from God's very presence. You know, to hear uh, Mandela uh, speak, imagine hearing his first words for 25 years. That would have been astonishing. But God had been silent for 400 years. What a moment this is. He's speaking to his people. And in verse 19, the angel says, This is good news. It's good news. 
It's good news at a, a personal level, you could say, because the angel tells Zechariah that Elizabeth is going to have a child. That's amazing news for them. And this will bring deep joy to Elizabeth and Zechariah. It's even better news at a public level. Because this son of theirs who will be born, he will bring deep joy to many people. Not just them, many, many people. Because he will bring God's people back to the Lord, we're told. Now that is good news. Israel, with its kind of centuries of disobedience and self-inflicted exile and disappointment, is not now coming back to God, back to the Lord? Even all Israel's great prophets didn't have power to turn around God's people fully because the people were so stubborn. Is, it, is that changing now? Yes, it was changing. Because God had always had a plan. He had always had a plan. And it emerges that in God's plan, John, this child, would prepare people to hear and receive Jesus Christ. And it would be Jesus who actually makes a way for people to know God. Jesus would come and be born and live and die and then rise to new life, rise from the dead and then return to his Father in heaven. And in doing so, he would make a way for people to know God. And this is, God is announcing this, the start of this. Now, many of us here are very, very familiar with uh, these truths, with that plan that is coming into being at this moment. Very familiar with that. We know that. Uh, But I know I can take it so easily for granted, this reality, this truth, this God's plan coming into being. So easy to take it for granted. So I think it's very helpful to think back to this moment, actually. This moment when God has been silent for 400 years, but now he speaks and his plan is coming. His plan is coming into action. He is bringing salvation. I think that helps us to think of, you know, to feel the anticipation of this moment, to feel the excitement of this moment. It's finally happening. Helps us not to take it for granted, I think. Uh, one thing to add here uh, notice that, uh, uh, that God's plan has an immovable due date. Um, so in verse 20, Uh, The angel says that the good news, the birth of baby John, uh, will come true at the appointed time. Now that would have been encouraging to hear. There was a date when God's plan would happen, and it was set in concrete, and it was definitely going to happen. That is also very important for us to hear. Uh, As as we think ahead to to Jesus' return again, when he will come again, I think it's possible we can feel that God is silent. You know, it's been, it's been 2,000 years since Jesus first came. 400 years is a long time. 2,000 years. Is that five times as long? Anyway, uh, it's so much longer. A huge time of silence, you could say. We could feel that God needs to kind of say something to make us be really sure that Jesus will come back and, and when he'll do that. We could feel that. I think that's not completely fair, though, because, because actually God has told us everything we need to know about Jesus' return. He has not been silent about it. So Jesus himself talked about it a lot in the New Testament. 
He said repeatedly, he said, uh, the date is set. I will come back. Don't be deceived. I won't tell you exactly when, but just make sure you're ready. So God has not been silent. He hasn't told us everything we might want to know about Jesus' return. But he has told us everything we need to know. He says, I won't tell you when, but just make sure you're ready. Make sure you're ready. So, so God had been silent, uh, but then he shattered his silence. And why? Why was that? Well, thirdly, uh, to make the people ready for the Lord. Hang on to the next slide. Uh, to make the people ready for the Lord. Uh, verse 16 and 17 tells us what John, this baby, would do. He would make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Uh, in what way would John prepare a people? Well, by turning their hearts. Uh, so let me read verses 16 and 17 again. John will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Uh, Verse 17 there refers to a a very specific uh, promise to Israel, God's people, in the last page of the Old Testament. It might seem a bit of an odd uh, reference there, really. But think of it this way. Um, Parents' hearts had turned away from their children. Likewise, the disobedient had turned away from right living because, deeper than that, their hearts had turned away from God which meant that they were in no way ready for God. Their hearts were turned totally in the wrong direction. And John's mission, therefore, was to urge the people, in your hearts, turn back to God. Turn away from wanting to do wrong. Turn back to the Lord. That's how you're ready for him. Now, I think we need to sit on this uh, for a bit as we come to the last part of um, talking about this. I need to sit on this because this is, this is a humbling thing, I think, um, to know that without God's intervention, we would not be ready for him. That's a humbling thing, isn't it? And if you wouldn't say that you're a Christian, wouldn't say that you follow Jesus Christ, you might have all sorts of questions about that. Uh, and it's good to have those questions and talk about them. And I'll be happy to talk that through after the service. Um, I'll talk to someone you know. It is a humbling thing to know this. Uh, but this also might be an unsettling thing. It, it might, it can, I think it can be very possible for Christians to think, I don't think I feel ready. I know I need to be ready. I don't quite feel ready for the Lord. There's something in me that's kind of holding me back from that. I don't feel that ready. And I wonder if you ever kind of get that kind of sense, a, a kind of a hesitation in your heart perhaps in some ways. Um, and from the passage itself, there are a few very kind of um, a few ways in which we might not feel ready for the Lord. Um, just to point these out, to just briefly, really, um, from the reference that we read earlier uh, about the disobedience of God's uh, people, uh, we might feel that we have we're just really aware of the disobedience in our hearts. We've got disobedient hearts. We get things wrong. 
Uh, we disobey God sometimes. And maybe that kind of makes you feel, yeah, I'm just not sure I'm ready for him. Or it might be that we feel we have a doubting heart. Might be that. Um, so in verse 18, Zechariah, when the angel tells him what's going to happen, Zechariah says, uh, how can I be sure of that? Zechariah has a doubting heart at that point. And maybe we're aware of our own doubting hearts and we wish we could trust God more, but we know those doubts. And maybe that gives us a sense of, I'm not sure I feel ready for, for the Lord. And also maybe we feel we have a disgraced heart, perhaps. Uh, that would be um, uh, Zechariah's Elizabeth's experience. They felt disgrace, kind of shame among the people. And uh, maybe there's something just in particular in our life or maybe a sense of shame from, from our sin. And maybe this just makes us feel, yeah, I don't think, I don't feel that ready for the Lord, actually. I wonder what it might be for, for you, any of those things. Uh, that just kind of give you that sense of hesitation. I don't feel I'm ready for him. So it's very important to ask, what makes a person ready for the Lord? What makes a person ready? And the answer is that ultimately, what makes a person ready is, is that when someone trusts in Jesus Christ for their salvation, and trusts in nothing else for salvation, but just in Jesus Christ to save them, When that happens, God gives that believer a new heart. A new heart. It happens through the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that fills John. He gives us a new heart, a heart not of stone that's hard, but a heart of flesh that is alive to God. That's what happens when anyone turns to the Lord Jesus. He gives us a new heart. So in in terms of uh, what we've just looked at, uh, the new heart that God gives us by his Spirit, uh, it's not a disobedient heart, it's an obeying heart that wants to follow God's ways. It's not a doubting heart, it's a trusting heart that trusts God for his salvation in Jesus. And it's not a disgraced heart, it's, you could say, an honoured heart that has... It's treated with dignity before God. Has an honour before him. This is the new heart that God gives us by his spirit when we turn to him. Now, of course, it's really important to say our experience of that is really imperfect. There are plenty of times when we uh, do not obey God and do not trust him. We doubt him. And plenty of times we still feel shame from circumstances or from our sin perhaps but it's, our experience is imperfect but for, for, for believers that new heart is a reality it is true God has given you that new heart and God accepts our new hearts it's a wonderful reality for any Christian believer so what makes a person ready for the Lord? Well, you are ready if you're trusting in Jesus. You are ready, we can say. He's made you ready. He's given you this new heart as his gift to you. I wonder, does that, how does that change how you feel about Jesus' coming? Does that change how you feel about that? Does that um, in any way kind of um, move you from being less feeling like you're in that hospital waiting room and more feel like you're in that crowd waiting for uh, Mandela there, we were thinking about earlier. 
Does it, does it help you just to feel different about the Lord coming? Does it, knowing that he's given us that new heart, does that give you more excitement about the Lord? About seeing him, about receiving him? More anticipation for him coming? More gratitude for all that he's done. And look what he's done. He's given us a new heart by dying on the cross in our place. That's what he's done for us. Does it give you more, more longing to see him and to know him and to be with him? Perhaps does it give you more perseverance when life is tough and very hard? Does it give you more perseverance to keep going until he comes? Because you know he's given you this gift of a new heart and you are ready and will be ready. And maybe it gives you uh, more willingness to, I don't know, give up loving other things more than loving the Lord, perhaps. And to uh, grow in that willingness as you wait for him. Remember, Jesus says, I won't say when I'll come back, but just make sure you're ready. This is how we make sure we're ready. This is it. He's given us this new heart. He's made us ready. So as we wait, as we want to kind of grow in anticipation, we can do that by enjoying this new heart that he's given us. Enjoy being accepted by the Lord. Enjoy obeying him. Enjoy trusting him. Enjoy the honor that he gives us in that. Because one day we will see him. And he will welcome us. And he will be for us in that moment. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much and praise you for your uh, incredible plan of salvation uh, throughout history, Lord. And that you brought that plan into action, even when it seemed you'd been totally silent. We praise you for it. And we thank you that the Lord Jesus will return. And we thank you that when that happens, he will accept us who trust in the Lord Jesus. Because he has given us a new heart. We want to say thank you. And we want to say, Lord, please help us to long for Jesus because of what he has done for us. To long to see him, to long to grow in this new heart that he has given us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.